you can just you can just feel it coming. It's sort of like being in an avalanche or having never been in one. What I imagine an avalanche is, uh, feels like, you you can sense that it's coming towards you, even if you can't see the wall of snow moving in on you. Can you can feel the shaking of the ground. You can feel the wind rushing forward, but you can't quite see it yet. You know it's coming. You brace for impact, and then bam, it happens. That's kind of where we are in the economic cycle. We've got the 2008 style scenario, but the one thing missing thus far is the widespread mass layoffs. They haven't happened yet, but we can you can sense that the trigger is coming closer and closer and closer all the time. First of all, we've got the markets that are telling us, especially today, after everything that happened yesterday, OPEC announcement basically confirming global recession conditions. That's what they're afraid of. Markets today, some data, they're suggesting more and more that this thing is, it's coming, it's closer, it's closer and closer. And where it comes to layoffs in the job market, what we've been waiting for is, well, Something that the that businesses told the ISM last month in early March when the ISM was surveying their, their thoughts on jobs and payrolls. Now what they said, or what the ISM said they said was, panelist companies continue to attempt to maintain headcount levels through the projected slow first half of the year in preparation for a stronger performance in the second half. And that only makes sense. Because businesses are always reluctant to fire workers, to fire workers, a lot of workers, because you never know. So, every, I mean, everybody agrees that the economy slowed down in 2022 and to a degree, maybe in 2023. All that stuff about January payrolls, uh, the, the data that came out in February, that's long distant memory at this point. So the economy slowed down, but there's still this feeling that maybe we can hang in. Maybe this is nothing more than a rough patch. And so rather than just start firing workers in anticipation of a recession that may not happen, we're going to hang in there until the last possible moment, hoping, hoping, just hoping the economy rebounds in the second half. This is a common, common process, a common pattern that we see all the time. Businesses are always reluctant to go to mass left. That's the last thing they want to do. And that's why it's the last thing for not recessions to begin, but for most people to notice that a recession is actually happening. So we're going to look at the labor market situation. We're going to look at what markets are saying about the labor market situation. We got jolts data today, which that requires some thought too, but a whole lot that continues to suggest that avalanche is getting closer and closer and closer and closer. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you for joining me. If you're interested, Eurodollar University memberships available at our website, which is conveniently named Eurodollar.University or conveniently located at Eurodollar.University. Also have research subscriptions, uh, a, day, a daily briefing I do in partnership at marketsinsiderpro.com. Check that out if you want. You also get Stephen Van Meter's Momentum Timer. I think he has a CTA Timer too. Tracy Shukart's uh, Materials Weekly. There's a bundle available for you there at Markets Insider Pro. I also do a deep dive, deep dive analysis every day. That's also available at the Eurodollar University website. All the information located at Eurodollar. Dot university. 
One reason why, in fact, it's the big reason why the public, most people are so confused about the labor market situation, therefore the economy, is Janet Yellen. Not specifically Janet Yellen, but, oh yeah, yes, yeah, specifically Janet Yellen, but not only Janet Yellen. Remember last month, or was it two months ago, back in February, it's March, it's, it's April already, it's not March anymore. Uh, back in February, she said, you don't have a recession with an unemployment this low, baby sort of bragging about the administration's economic plans and how it was seemed how it seemed to propel the economy forward when as i said everybody i mean companies have been talking about economic uncertainty for quite some time while they're laying some people off so yes the unemployment rate being low that's typical of of economists and politicians and officials who will always point to the best numbers and say that's what the economy's doing even though history has shown conclusively, and I did this in several videos, that the unemployment rate is absolutely no protection from a cyclical change. In fact, the lowest unemployment rate in U.S. history, or modern U.S. history, that happened the month before a recession began. So low unemployment rates, and another one, job openings, the purported measure of demand for labor. As you've probably heard, job openings has been absolutely through the roof, sky high up into the stratosphere. And so economists and policymakers and opinion makers, I hate that term, but opinion makers that the media pushes out into the public to tell you this is the economy, it's doing really well because Janet Yellen looks at the unemployment rate and job openings and says, how can it not be anything but awesome? But let's, let's, let's go back to Janet Yellen in September of 2017. So toward the end of her tenure, trying to jockey for, I think at this point she was still uh, Still up for another term. Uh, I don't think Jerome Powell was nominated until a little bit later. Could be wrong about that, but it doesn't matter. Because Janet Yellen admitted in September 2017 she was wrong about relying on all of these labor statistics. Here's what she said. This was Cleveland, Ohio, September 2017. My colleagues and I have misjudged the strength of the labor market the degree to which longer run inflation expectations are consistent with our inflation objective or even the fundamental forces driving inflation. After hearing her say that, would you be at all confident in her ability to assess the economic situation from the standpoint of the unemployment rate or other major statistics like job openings? What she was basically telling you was, we got it wrong. We kept looking at the unemployment rate going lower and lower and lower and thought that represented an economy that was actually recovering. In fact, not just recovering, best jobs market in decades in 2014, an economy that was becoming more and more overheated. And believing that this Phillips curve works in any, any set of circumstances, they thought lower unemployment rate, economy red hot, inflation was gonna rise, we better do something about it. But the last part never really happened. And it never really happened because the recovery never really happened. Now, they, there's all sorts of excuses. Uh, economists and econometric models have marked down economic potential to match um, economic results, especially GDP. But, but by and large, the economy was never red hot because it never recovered. So there was no reason to expect inflation at any point in time. Even if you believe the Phillips curve, that wasn't on the table. Instead, the unemployment rate and job openings were unreliable measures of first the labor market, if not the, the overall economic situation to begin with. There's a lesson here that we should be learning. Not only is the unemployment rate historically 
not a very good cyclical indicator. Over the last 15 years, it hasn't been a good indicator at any time, participation problem. So what Yellen said was, yes, we've done a bad job of misjudging the labor market, which maybe we shouldn't do that again. Um, and so she went into her econometric models and she said the pertinent feature of this figure is the blue shaded region around the red line with typical fan models that they like or fan charts that they show, which shows a 70% confidence interval around FOMC participants median outlook. The width of this region reflects the average accuracy of inflation projections made by private and government forecasters over the past 20 years. As the figure shows, based on that history, there is a 30% probability that inflation could be greater than 3% or less than 1% next year. Basically, she's saying there's a huge probability we'll get inflation completely wrong. And the reason, she said, most of this uncertainty reflects influence of unexpected movements in oil prices and the foreign exchange value of the dollar. Imagine that. As well as idiosyncratic developments unrelated to broader economic conditions. So they expect the economy to do one thing, but oil and the dollar tends to do, tends to make the economy or lead the economy or correlate with the economy at the very least doing something else. Because remember, the dollar went way up in 2014, just as economists like Yellen were thinking everything is great. And then what happened? Bad things happened in 2015. Even though the unemployment rate went lower, best, best job market in decades, dollar went up, bad things happened afterwards. Then guess what happened? 2018, Yellen looking into her own future. 2018, dollar goes up again. Bad things happen in 2019 when inflation was supposed to happen. A recovery, strong economy in 2019. Instead, dollar up in 2018, bad things happened in 2019. 2022, what happened to the US dollar? The US dollar went way up, so 2023 is going to be strong second half rebound no not really that likely plus as yellen mentioned oil prices oil prices have been unexpectedly especially for opec producers weak and they've been unexpectedly weak because not economic uncertainty rather demand continues to be weak consistent with the fallout from what was going on with the u.s dollars exchange value last year deflationary money, deflationary economy. The one follows the other. That includes oil prices. So even though oil prices have ticked up in response to the production cuts, their markets are still, the oil markets in particular, are still saying oil prices are likely to go lower, thus the little tiny contango in the front. So you would think that after looking at the unemployment rate, after looking at job openings part of jolts, Economists and central bankers and the media and everybody else would say, you know, we can't rely on that stuff anymore. Not only can we not rely on that stuff, maybe we should figure out why oil prices do what they do. We should talk about that. Or we should figure out why the dollar does what it does, because that seems to be really important. At the very least, as I said, it correlates with bad things happening in the future. So it, tell, it, should, it really should tell you that hey, if the dollar's going up, maybe we should pay attention to bad things happening after the dollar goes up, which would bring us to 2023. But, but economists don't want to do that. They want to talk about the unemployment rate. They want to point to some labor shortage that job openings, job openings can only be about a labor shortage because over the last couple of years, this, this estimate has just gone into the stratosphere. 
You've heard the statistics, uh, the, the combination of statistics cited, no doubt, where there's supposedly two job openings for every unemployed worker, and this is massively inflationary, a huge indication of a labor shortage. And if you have a labor shortage, how in the world can the economy be everything, anything but absolutely booming? But as I keep pointing out time and time again, if you're listening to these policymakers, you're doing yourself a drastic disservice because they're looking at these numbers and, 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 and interpret them through their own biases. Because you can find any number of historical examples during these cyclical periods, cyclical swings, where they'll point to a labor shortage to say this recession can't possibly happen, and then the recession happens. There's always a labor shortage, according to Fed officials. I mentioned this one recently, um, Richard Fisher back in September 2007, just as the Great Recession was about to begin. I want to mention again that we're hearing widespread reports of labor shortages. It does have implications for how fast consumption can fall off if indeed we're suffering for a labor shortage. Guess what, Mr. Fisher? There was no labor shortage. It didn't matter if the unemployment rate was in the context of that period low or the job openings seemed relatively good. Those numbers were misleading, as were your biased interpretations of them. And they're always going to be used on, in these biased interpretations to say nothing bad can possibly happen. And then lo and behold, something bad does happen and they all say what? It was unexpected. It was entirely unexpected. It could not have been foreseen. But as I just said, markets have foreseen this weakness, not just this weakness, but this 2008 style scenario that continues to develop and develop and develop. All the pieces continue to fall into place, including, get, the, get this, job openings, jolts. So as I said, job openings is a misleading statistics, which means statistic, which means there's only one real way to use it in your analysis. If job openings present the most the most optimistic charitable version of the economy, then if that changes, then you'd have to say if the if the most optimistic piece of evidence suddenly becomes a lot less optimistic, that raises the chances that the real economy has shifted too. And that's what we're seeing with job openings. Um, the reasons why you really can't trust it is because companies have gone to, you know, posting dummy openings for several reasons, including, you know, just making sure that they have a steady supply of job applications. They also post dummy openings just to keep their name out there. In fact, there's been uh, uh, there's been applications and apps that have been developed to help pr prospective job seekers tell which are dummy openings and which are actually real, where companies are actually hiring. So it makes sense that job openings would be really misleading. Um, it also makes sense that, that they would be even more misleading when there's more dummy op openings, which tend to correlate with at least conditions that are economic conditions overall that are moving in a positive direction. So we've got more dummy openings as well as real openings when things are looking good, when the economy, say, is rebounding in 2021, maybe somewhat in 2022, but maybe not so many dummy openings, nor real openings when things start to go the other way. When, as I said before, according to the ISM, companies are beginning to become defensive, even if they're not yet ready to throw in the towel on the second half rebound. 
So the BLS reported uh, just today that job openings rebounded, that had rebounded to 11.2 million in December. There was a little bit, according to their numbers, of an uptick in labor. But then in January, they just revised January's figures from 10.8 million down to 10.56 million. So a substantial revision downward in January. And then February, 9.93. Now 9.93 million is still Apart from the last couple of years, that would be a record high. It'd be, it's so much higher than the previous high that it's, it's not even the same class. But again, that's not what we're looking at. We're not looking at this is so high, it's still huge, it's, it looks like uh, labor demand is still strong. What we're instead interested in is job openings going like this. And going like this steeply in both January and February, which if you remember, January payroll report, February payroll report were looking relatively good suggesting to a lot of people that the U.S. economy was going to avoid recession, if not avoid even a slowdown. Now we're saying, the BLS is saying, well, maybe less dummy job openings, maybe less real job openings. Even if companies are still hiring, maybe if companies are still cautious, they're certainly starting to become defensive. They haven't triggered the mass layoffs, but they're already defensive. And remember, these numbers are all pre-March. And so you have to ask yourself, given what happened in March, given where we are to begin this period, is a second half rebound more or less likely? Given what just happened, given where we are, it is, I mean, and it's not really, is it more or less likely because markets have told us all along, it was never likely. The real question here is when do businesses finally realize that a second half rebound isn't happening? And if you look at the events of what happened in March and some response to it, the initial response to it, you've got a defensive businesses already thinking you need to start, uh, start thinking about layoffs. March happens, things don't look like they're any better. The second half rebound looks like a distant probability, something that's probably not gonna happen the trigger for layoffs becomes closer and closer and closer. We can feel the avalanche. And that's where markets are today. We look at the 10-year U.S. Treasury, 335 as I'm talking to you right now. That, of course, could change by the end of the day. But 335, if it was close here, that would be the lowest since September 9th. The two-year, 385. We're back. Bad steepening yet again. Bad steepening is a sign that the, the ground is rumbling. The wind is rushing forward. You can't see the avalanche yet, but it's it's coming. It's right there. And now we have today the three-month Treasury bill rate is inverted to the six-month, and the six-month is down to 4.63. Again, bad steepening. The avalanche, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And of course, Eurodollar futures today, we've got almost 20 basis point moves in the September, December 23s, the March and June 24s. Again, that crucial area where the market is saying once the rate cuts start, it's going to be a rapid series of them. And it's going to be a rapid series of them because the avalanche strikes, the mass layoffs, we can feel them coming. That's what the markets are saying. That's what the data is saying. That's what everything, everything continues to fall into place that way. I wish it wasn't the case, but as time goes on, it's more and more of exactly that. So I'm Jeff, this is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, huge thank you to Eurodollar University members and our research subscribers. And until next time, take care.